0: Hey everybody, welcome to 9394 a music podcast. I'm Travis. I hope you're doing happily. <laughs> Is that a thing that people say? I hope you're doing happily. Fine, fuck it. I'll, I'll keep it. I'm excited. I'm excited for today because today we're talking about indie rock royalty, Elvis Costello, and the attractions in 1994. They released the very best of Elvis Costello and the Attractions, the best of his, supposedly, from 1977 to 1986. So this is an album that I grew up listening to, as did my guest, A.J. DiCosimo. A.J. is someone that guest hosted on Cinema 9, my other podcast, and did awesome on that. And I was really happy that he wanted to come on this show, too, and talk about Elvis Costello. So here is the conversation that we had. Hey, how's it going, man?
1: Good, how are you?
0: Man? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Good to see you again. I can't
1: complain. Good, good to see you again.
0: Yeah, it's been a minute. I feel like it's been a good year since we were on uh, Cinema Nine.
1: Yeah, that was such a fun show. I went back and re listened to that not that long ago. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, we all have, like, a gay old time.
0: <laughs> yeah, I always start this show talking about how we know each other, and that's how you and I know each other. You came yeah. on to Cinema 9, my other podcast, and of all movies, you picked The Other, the sister. other sister. Right.
1: The Other Sister. I, I threw a curveball. <laughs> you did. I threw a curveball.
0: Because, like,
1: the premise of that show is, hey, remember this really great movie?
0: Right. And right? then...
1: And then I was just like, hey, do you remember this really bad movie that wasn't really as bad as we remember it being?
0: That was the big takeaway is that, shit, this really is not a terrible movie at all. Um, no. So it was fun. It was fun. Yeah. And uh, and I don't yeah. really know you that well. You're a comedian. We met on Twitter back when Twitter was a thing. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I was like, oh God, this comedian I don't know has picked the other sister. This could go real
2: wrong, real
1: Oh, I wouldn't have led you guys down a
0: road. (laughs) No, no, it went great. It's one of our better episodes, one of our best guest episodes for sure, because it was such a curveball in a fun way. So yeah, and thanks for doing this. It was fun. I appreciate you coming on here.
1: For sure, yeah. We get to talk about one of my favorite artists today.
0: And who are we talking about?
1: Elvis Costello and the Attractions.
0: Yes, and their 1994 compilation album, this is the first compilation album I'm doing on the show, the very best of Elvis Costello and the Attractions from 1977 to 1986, which is like his first 10 albums, I think, around there.
1: Which is crazy to me, because back when 1994 came around, he had around 10 albums come out, but he'd only really been on the scene, it was like less than 20 years,
0: um. Yeah. Yeah. Seventy seven was Armed Forces. Yeah. So, no, but, no, no.
1: No. No. It was my aim is true.
0: You're right. My first aim is album. true was. Yeah, that's correct. My, my, yeah. my aim is true was seventy seven. Yeah. Seventy six somewhere. Yeah. Seventy seven must have been. And that's his first album. So I feel like it makes sense to have a compilation album for him in 1994 because it's around that time that. The world is really turning towards alternative music, indie rock, that kind of stuff is a mainstream thing. And he really helped create that stuff.
1: For sure. I mean, like, you got to think, what were people listening to in 77? Well, I mean, they were listening. It was to- like Fleetwood Mac,
0: Journey, yeah. Journey.
1: You know, I, it was a little late Zeppelin. for Zeppelin. Yeah. But I mean, Zeppelin, it was like their heyday was 75 to like 80, right?
0: And it would have been like, you know, a lot of funk and disco and stuff around that era. Not exactly indie rock, not a lot of guitar stuff. And there would have been a lot of keyboards, but not the way that he was using them or that the attractions were using. Right.
1: I don't know if he invented new wave, but he definitely took new wave and indie. And like, I don't want to say proto punk, because I think the pistols and the clash were around then. But I mean, like, he was like a dude that like guys who love punk rock. Yeah. Yeah. And dudes who love, you know, like new wave type uh, Roxy music.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would be in that mix too. But I also feel like, especially with that early stuff, there's a ska influence that I don't think gets thrown around enough when in conversation with him in terms of helping to create that genre. His early stuff, it's not exactly ska, but it is. I mean, it's upstrokes and all that kind of stuff. Yeah.
1: A lot of the stuff we listen to today, I hear more Elvis Costello and mm-hmm. the stuff we hear today in like indie rock and you know stuff like that then i hear the beatles you know that's a
0: bold statement i'm not going to argue with it
1: right i'm not talking like popular rock and roll i'm talking like oh, yeah, yeah. like indie alternative rock like right. i think you can look at bands like what's a popular indie band you know today oh. I can hear the influence, which is so weird because since we talked, I worked as an alternative music disc jockey, uh-huh. but I'm just spacing right now. But Elvis Costello has is an immense influence.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the things I've talked about on this show and shit, even on on cinema nine, something that I guess concerns me a lot, because I bring it up a lot is the amount of living legends that we still have left. Like people that are like, you know, forces of nature within their specific industries. And I've not given enough attention to Elvis Costello. I don't know that the world has properly given him his due because he is so influential and so powerful. And so like
1: in the States, in in the the States. States. I think abroad, like I think in yeah. the U.K., Elvis I'm Costello sure. is a national treasure. I would hope. Oh, for sure. In the States, I think his highest charting single was Veronica.
0: Oh, okay. Not his best song, in my opinion, but okay. No,
1: it's not. But that, that was his highest charting one, co-written by McCartney, by the way.
0: Oh, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. The entire album was Spike, I think, came out in 1989. All the songs were written by Costello and McCartney.
0: Oh, okay. So... What about, as far as this album goes, do you remember buying it, like owning it? Because you chose this very specifically.
1: Yes. So I remember getting it, obviously, in 94, I was a bit young. I was five years old. Okay. My earliest memories of Elvis Costello was like hearing, like, Pump It Up. cool that's something like i've never heard before he always stuck with me because you know when we're very young and very impressionable we kind of listen to the things our parents listen to sure yeah you know i mean and into our adulthood we kind of carry those things with us like my dad is a huge springsteen fan Mm -hmm. i love springsteen
0: i love springsteen
1: springsteen's great my mom loved like tom petty and aerosmith and i took tom petty with me how
0: could you not? Tom Petty. Oh, it's, uh, Tom best. Petty's
1: great. Aerosmith, yeah. I could take or leave. Yeah, personally. not so much. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like Aerosmith is more like cartoon characters.
0: Yeah, they're over the top. So with, are your parents Elvis Costello fans? Is that where you're going with it?
1: That's where my point comes in. Elvis Costello was sort of like the first guy I kind of discovered on my own.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Where I was just like, I like this thing away Mm -hmm. from the things I listened to that my parents were listening to.
0: That's a big deal as a kid.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, he was like one of the first. I mean, there were others, too. Sure. But if I'm thinking about it, Elvis Costello was probably the first. And I was maybe like eight or nine. I might have heard Pump It Up on a commercial. Out in the fashion show. said that when the album came out, but I remember buying that that album when I was like 12 or 13. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people going like, how do you know about Elvis Costello and the Attractions? I'm like, how do you not know about Elvis Costello and the Attractions? (laughs) One of the greatest, greatest rock bands of all time. Like, one of the artists that I think put the nail in what we think the 70s is. Musically,
0: yes, and also in terms of helping to inform the music of the 80s and early 90s in particular, I was 14 when this compilation came out, so I had already started getting into music on my own. We had a local radio station around here called 89X in like Windsor, Detroit area, and they would play his stuff fairly often, so that was probably where I first heard him. And I, yeah, I'd hear songs like Pump It Up and Accidents Will Happen, that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, those kind of singles, Shipbuilding. Yeah, all that kind of stuff would be played. And then I got BMG. I used Columbia House up once, but I um I don't know if you're familiar with so BMG was another program like Columbia House where they just, you know, gave away albums to 12-year-olds and then got no money back in return and then went out of business. And so I got this from that. And I got pretty into this album. And it was one of those things that, like, to be honest, since I had this growing up, I wouldn't go out and buy armed forces or any other album, really, because I kind of would just, whenever I felt like listening to him, I would listen to this. And then I got a little bit older, and I got really into punk rock and scream and all this stuff. And I really just kind of like stopped listening to him for a while. And Then in my mid or late 20s, I was like, oh, yeah, Elvis Costello. And I went right back to this same album, which has still been like the benchmark for me whenever I want to listen to him. These are the same songs. I mean, there's other stuff and I check them out every now and then, but this is the main go-to for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, as far as compilation albums go, I think when you consider the time it was released, yeah, he was around less than 20 years. I feel like rarely do artists get a best of compilation album so early in their career. You know what I mean? Like he, he was around shade over 77 to 94. What is that? Uh,
0: that is 17 years. Right?
1: 17 years. Under 20 years, he had a compilation album. And what makes that compilation album different, like if I put myself in the place of 1994, is you can listen to that compilation album and it still sounds fresh. Yeah. Compared to like what was happening around it. Yeah. Especially when you consider, like, I don't think there's any band that gleans more of an influence, like popular band that gleans more influence from Elvis Costello than Weezer.
0: Oh, I could see that. All the you way can down hear the hear a glasses.
1: lot of Costello and Weezer.
0: <laughs> yeah. Although Costello himself, I mean, he's got a lot of influences in his stuff. I mean, you can hear everything from Al Green to Paul Simon uh, and the Beatles. You can hear a lot of that kind of stuff in his music as well, which I think is one of the things that really makes a lot of the big iconic songwriters and music makers of our time. I was talking about this when I did a Bob Dylan episode recently. A lot of times it's not just that they're great artists themselves, it's that they're able to kind of like funnel other music through them and be like a gateway into stuff for new listeners, which I think that Elvis Costello is one of those kind of guys too.
1: For sure. I mean, Elvis Costello, I don't think invented anything. I think he took pieces, which is what I think great artists do. Like anyone who says that, like, this was the first artist to do something. It's like, they're not.
0: Yeah, no one is. They're (laughs)
1: just the first artist to take a bunch of different stuff and go, oh, I hear a sound in all of this stuff. That no one else is hearing. Yeah. And then we didn't even touch on the big thing that makes Elvis Costello truly great. And that's his lyrics. Okay. Yeah. He's one of the finest wordsmiths, definitely outside of hip hop. And he
0: doesn't belabor his points. He doesn't like repeat the best line. He'll have these great lines. that are just buried in the middle of a a track. And you you have to like kind of pay attention.
1: Yeah. And like. There are artists that are great lyricists, admittedly. Like, I am a big Dylan fan. Mm -hmm. I love Bob Dylan. There are times when I'm listening to Bob Dylan, and this is the only negative thing I can ever say about Bob Dylan, is there are times when I'm listening to Bob Dylan where I feel like he's trying to force words to rhyme. Oh, (laughs) well.
2: At times.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, Elvis does that on radio, radio. He rhymes some shit that really doesn't rhyme with one another. Right. That's <laughs> it's part of being a songwriter, I guess.
1: Yeah, this is part about being a songwriter, but I get less of that feeling when I listen to Costello than I do to other people. It just seems like his capacity for language mm-hmm. and being able to assemble phrases and words in a way that you take, go away like you said it, it doesn't even have to be in the hook it could be buried in the middle of the song you're like yeah. that's such a great line yeah there's a song on this album that when we get to it that I'm gonna point out and be like that's exactly what I'm talking about
0: well is it one of your favorite songs
1: it's one of my favorite songs
0: oh, nail it let's do it down
3: what, it's what's-
1: I want you oh my baby.
3: I love you more than I can tell I don't think I can live without you
1: and I know that I need. yes yes dude I've never heard a song that has such pain Mm. just oozing out of it (laughs) yeah cause there are a lot of songs that are about sadness and heartbreak and misery. And then there are a lot of songs that are about happiness and joy. Mm-hmm. That song captures that element of the human experience of pain and anguish better than any song I've ever heard. Mm. Anytime I have like a friend or something that's going through it, especially when it comes to like romantic heartbreak. Yeah. yeah. I point them in the direction of that song. I'm just like, you know, because we all hear the you're not alone thing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you can point to that song and be like, you're certainly not alone because everyone felt that exact same way. Be careful,
3: darling, you might fall. I want you. I woke up and one of us was crying. I want you, you said young man I do believe you're dying, I want you, if you need a second opinion as you seem to do these days, I want you, you can look in my eyes and you can count I want you Did you mean to tell me But seem to forget I want you Since when were you So generous and
0: inarticulate I want you and it's such complicated songwriting. I mean, like he starts off one way and then he just shifts gears dramatically. Like, okay, yeah. now we've broken up. And I think that song also demonstrates not just his great lyric writing as you were saying, but he's got great vocal control too. Like he can do so much with his voice. Yeah. He can be like thin and reedy and kind of like high almost. And then he can have a song like I Want You where it's just like these deep crooning kind of things that he's doing on. He's got so much range in his voice and I don't think he gets enough credit for that.
1: For sure. I think people like listen to like what he's really doing, the Elvis Costello voice. Right. Like he kind of sounds a little like Randy Newman. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, a little Randy Newman. <laughs> yeah. A little less Pixar, like, there's but yeah, A yes.
0: little bit of that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but you don't get lost in the humor of it in the way like you do with Randy Newman, who's another artist who I adore. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Elvis Costello, he's able to do things musically in songs that we don't really hear. Yeah. You know, especially up until that point.
0: Wait, are you currently driving right now or are you stopped? Stopped.
1: I'm parked.
0: Oh, I'm parked. Yeah, that sounded like some movement. I thought you were driving your car while you were No, driving. no, no, no. That was probably a
1: car <laughs> driving by me. Okay. I'm in a parking you know, lot with a supermarket. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. I just wanted to make sure you were, you know, operating your vehicle safely. That's all. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I wouldn't do that. I'll say one of my favorite songs on this album, and there's so many, you know, usually on this podcast, I have my guests and myself pick one best song, but there's 22 tracks and there are 22 of his best songs, so you and I have both picked two of our favorite songs, and I'll say that for me, one of the songs that is my favorite on this album, in part because it always gets me moving, you know, and also because it's one of the first ones that I heard, is watching The Detectives. of like ska upstrokes and all that kind of stuff. That song, and and again, speaking of lyrically, there's like this great creepy kind of story being woven in. And then there's like these kind of like spooky undercurrents happening, even while it's a completely upbeat pop song and like
1: fun. For sure. You know what makes that song for me Mm. is the drums in that song.
0: Oh, okay.
1: The drums, like it has like this tinny sound to it Mm -hmm. that really, really makes that song sort of stand out differently. A lot of people would talk about his guitar work on that song and Yeah, his guitar work really good. is great on that song. Yeah. But I think the underappreciated part of that song is the drums.
0: Mm. And the rhythm section generally, because I think the bass is doing some interesting stuff too. It kind of yeah. like, it's almost like this spy movie kind of like score kind of yeah. happening. You know what I mean? Like this almost James Bond thing being held down with a kind of like the groove of the bass line. Very cool song.
1: Yeah, Very few artists outside of Elvis Costello where like, will you listen to them right? Like, I feel like, and I can play music. I can play guitar, bass, mm-hmm. and saxophone.
3: Oh, okay.
1: And I don't know if you can play anything, but I think it is a lot of our times at are, we fantasize ourselves as like wanting to be songwriters.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we try to write a song. And I feel like when you do like guys with Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is to be true, but it feels like they reached out into the ether and pulled these songs down. Yeah that already existed, like it was this mystical thing, like this magic.
0: Right, like Tom Petty would write songs as he did. It took him as long to write the songs it took to play it because he could just literally come up with the lyrics off the top of his head and that would be what he would record. It's just like magic.
1: For sure, I feel like those artists go into a thing and they just kind of wait for the muse to strike them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think Elvis Costello takes the muse by the neck (laughs) and pins it down and sees something in the world and says, I am writing a song about that. Mm. He has this ability to kind of control that unknown X factor Mm -hmm. about artists. Like, I imagine artists just walking down the street and they just get hit with an idea. And they go, there's something there. And they spend time discovering that. Whereas Elvis Costello, I feel, goes, I'm writing a song about that. And he starts chipping away at the thing and then commands it.
0: There is something kind of, and who knows in reality. I mean, but I agree with you. He does kind of give out a kind of like a hardworking vibe. For sure. In terms of what he's doing, right?
1: The point being made if we're talking about watching the detectives, where clearly this man wrote a song about spies Mm -hmm. or like who wanted to give off that murder or something. Yeah. Decided he was going to do that. Yeah. That's the feeling I get.
0: No, you're right. He definitely either the lyrics or the music came first but i mean they complement each other exceptionally well that's for sure
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: what about an underrated track on this album you were asked to pick an underrated song what's your underrated song
1: um uh, my underrated song is high fidelity So this also goes back into when I really started getting into Elvis Costello. Yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time is High Fidelity. It's so good. That is a great movie. It really is. A movie that I was considering picking for the Cinema 9 podcast. Would have made sense. But then I was like, no, we're going, we're going with the other system. <laughs> but like I said, I was around 12, 13 when that movie came out. Mm-hmm. And I already heard Elvis Costello and enjoyed him but I googled like I was like looking up online about Hydo just because I wanted info about the movie yeah the track came up and I'm like this song goes fucking hard it does <laughs> It's only like, it's very short. It's like two minutes and 25 seconds. Yeah. And from beginning to end, it just doesn't stop. It's just so good. The entire, some things you never get used to. (laughs) He just goes, just, there's a lot of song packed into a tiny amount of space.
0: It makes for a great single. I think it's one of the more memorable singles that he's got out. It's one that you might think of when you think of his stuff, but it is kind of, despite the fact there's a movie and a book named after it, I do, I agree. It doesn't get the play that it should. We should hear it more.
1: Well, right. When you ask people to pick their top five Elvis Costello tracks of all time, it's never on that list ever.
0: But there's probably one that they would think of, right? Cause it's like an obvious track, but it's not.
1: I don't know if that's one that they would think of because there are some that would be on that top five that I'm like, there are a couple of tracks on that album. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, I don't love those songs.
0: Let's hold on to that for a minute, and I'll ask yeah, you what sure. your least favorite track is. But my underrated track, you actually already mentioned, which is Shipbuilding.
3: Is it worth it? And you and your coats and shoes fall? Just a rumor that was spread around town By the women and children Soon we'll be shipbuilding Well, I ask you The boy said, Dad, they're going to take me to town but I'll be back by Christmas.
0: That's a great song. Yeah, I mentioned crooning, like the saxophone in there. It's just a complete gear shift in terms of genre. And he's going to bring us something really jazzy and bluesy and relaxed and sad. And again, very much metaphors for relationships and that kind of stuff. But that's a gorgeous song. And I never hear anyone mention it, I never hear it come up in conversation.
1: That's another one. I would put shipbuildings on that list. High Fidelity is on that list. Um, there are there are so many songs. There like you said there are songs on that album that I don't think people put on their list. Yeah. The top five songs people would include in the five greatest Elvis Costello track. The objectively. The objective five. <laughs> All right,
2: okay, the big These
1: hits. when you like ask somebody to name their top five stone songs of all time for example
2: mm-hmm.
1: they gotta be hits they have to be because if they were just deep cuts on an album they didn't punch through
0: you know what i mean well not necessarily i mean if you're a hardcore fan of someone that's released what is it 40 years worth of albums you're going to be able to come up with some deep cuts that maybe you appreciate what because part of the uh, the problem i find with singles is that I was just doing this on an episode I recorded recently on uh, Dinosaur Junior's Without a Sound. Sometimes a song that you would otherwise be fine with or like or indifferent to, you hear it too many times and it starts to like grind you down. And you start to lose appreciation for it.
1: But I think that there are certain, I, I guess, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is when somebody picks a deep cut, I'm like, that's on your subjective list. <laughs> if it was that great, it would have made the charts and i think objectively when you take an a artist as great as Elvis costello or you know i just mentioned the stones like you're gonna miss songs
0: sure whether that prolific
1: yeah you gotta cut through the meat and you gotta go like these are the best of mm-hmm. the best the giants among giants
0: and i think shipbuilding is but i don't know that everyone would agree with me but i'm glad it's on this compilation for sure because I, I wouldn't have heard it otherwise probably yeah now you said there's some tracks in this album that you're not crazy about what's your least favorite song on here
1: uh every day i write the book oh that's my other favorite (laughs) oh really i don't love it i don't love it i love it
3: Dreamboat turns out to be a footnote
1: song. If it was the best song of any other artist, I would probably agree. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. like every day I write the book, it just feels like Elvis Costello was trying to be something he wasn't that song.
0: Oh, okay. Because for me, like i mentioned this when I said watching The Detectives, when I hear every day I write the book, I'm immediately moving. Like if I'm washing dishes or something, like it's going to make my body start moving. And I find it really, really like uh, affirming and positive Kind of an uplifting song. Quotation. So to me, it's a really a good feel-good song that would work well as a montage song in a movie or something. But I could see where it could be a little, maybe a little saccharine for some people's tastes. I could see
1: that. There's the Elvis Costello experience. Like when you are trying to explain to someone who's never heard Elvis Costello before mm-hmm. what they can expect, like you could expect this angry sort of like person that can explain really complex things in a very different kind of way like a melodic way there's an interesting dichotomy between the lyrics and the music and every day i write the book just feels like he was trying to write a pop song for pop song's sake whenever i hear that
0: i understand i think a good example of what you're talking about is um oliver's army exactly three minutes long. It is a pop song if there ever was one completely upbeat, but you listen to the lyrics and he is very much trying to like make people think about what's happening with the Sandinistas and Oliver North and all that kind of stuff at that time. It's it's maybe one of the most political songs he ever wrote, but it's also again exactly three minutes and poppy as fuck and you could listen to it and maybe not pick up on some of the language some of the uncomfortable language at one point, but some of the terms and stuff that's actually being thrown around there and realize what exactly it is he's driving at. But it doesn't take a lot of listening to it, and you're like, oh, this is, this is like a hyper-political song. For sure. My least favorite song in this album, I didn't have a hard time picking it, it was Love Field. don't yeah. care about lovefield um there's 22 songs on here you could have skipped lovefield <laughs> it didn't need to be on there
1: see and that's the thing about this album where i'm just like there's 22 tracks is a long album
2: yeah yeah
1: that's a lot of tracks they could have not put that on there and gave us a, a, an album with 21 tracks on
2: it.
0: And it would have been just fine. <laughs> it would have been fine. Yeah, it's a muddy kind of muddled song that just doesn't really grab you in any way, shape or form. It's amazing to me, actually, speaking of trying to objectively pick the best of, that someone would have been like, yeah, this song. <laughs> I don't know. It would have been a stronger album with 21 songs.
1: That uh, was the other song. Remember I said there were two songs out there?
0: Yeah, that was the other one that for you. Was the other song. Yeah, it just kind of sinks, right? It just doesn't really...
1: Yeah, like I said, that one and every day I write the book, I just feel like, I don't know. Like, I understand why the previous answer I had every day I write the book is on there because it was popular. Yeah. And it's objective. And it's fun. It's fun, but sometimes when I'm listening to Elvis Costello, I don't want fun. Like, Elvis Costello isn't somebody... Like, I'm thinking about the guy that got banned from Saturday Night Live.
0: Right, right. The edgy, radio-radio-playing guy that wants right. to kind of, like, buck against the system a little bit. But in a real tongue-in-cheek kind of way, in a very English kind of way.
1: Elvis Costello introduced something to rock and roll music that hadn't really been there before. Mm. And that was, like, a wit and mm. sophistication. It was like it didn't really exist it was kind of like this anti-establishment snobbery
2: Mm
1: -hmm. like proto hipstery but like (laughs) without the looking down on
0: yeah less sanctimony and more like
1: yeah yeah that was a perfect word i was searching for the word you nailed it right (laughs) on the head there wasn't a lot of grandstanding in his media he was making a point But it wasn't like,
0: I'm getting up on my soapbox. I mean, Radio Radio is a little bit on the soapbox, but again, it's in a way that is so witty, like you say, that it can be fun and you can easily listen to it and not get the messaging that's happening there.
2: So you had better do as you were told.
1: It's not so on the nose. Yeah. So where like like I love Rage Against the Machine.
0: Right, but there's no subtlety there.
1: Right. I love the Clash. Yeah. The Clash is one of the top five greatest bands of all time. They're so on the fucking nose. Yeah. And how I said where you know when I listen to Elvis Costello, I'm not necessarily looking for fun. There's like fun bands, right? Like Kiss is a fun band. Van Halen is fun. Mm-hmm. And I go listen to them when I want fun. I listen to Rage and The Clash when I'm angry. (laughs) Almost Costello kind of takes those two things and like pulls them in the middle somehow.
0: And maybe that's why he works so well for so long is that you can plug him into a lot of different feelings and moods. There's complexity going on there, even while it's very listenable. I feel like he works for a lot of different moods. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And plus, by the time we get to 1994, how many albums does he have?
0: Yeah, a, a, a lot and a lot more to come. Yeah.
1: There are some things about him that some critiques of Elvis Costello. What do you got? Um, well, there are some anecdotes that make him a little problematic. And oh, I don't know if you know the one specifically I'm talking about.
0: I don't. I'm about to learn things about him that's gonna make me like him less. Okay, I'm ready. Go ahead.
1: Well, in the years I think people kind of have forgotten about it because they believed him because the story was so absurd. He got into a fist fight with Graham Nash. Okay. Of Crosby, Stills a Nash. Yeah. I believe this is how the story is. Don't quote me. I don't want to misinterpret, but he at one point called Ray Charles a blind, ignorant bleep.
0: The word that he uses on Oliver's army. Yes. Okay, that's pretty bad.
1: That's pretty bad. You know, years later, like it kind of got swept under the rug, but he has said things and have done things that in 2024 objectively, whether or not you buy into Kanzelka are really bad. Not quite Morrissey bad. Yeah, (laughs) that's bad. His claim was he never really believed that. He just wanted to fight Graham Nash. Okay. (laughs) Which I (laughs) guess proves the other point. It's that wits that's able to allow him to navigate certain things. But yeah, I mean, that's a very problematic thing. That, Like you said, you don't know about it. But it, it happened. And I think, you know, obviously as years gone by, people have forgotten about that. Yeah. Or they disregarded it as, as a one-time instance that's obviously not genuine when you hear the excuse he made for it. Yeah. It's just like, okay, that's so absurd that there's no way it's not true. Oh,
0: maybe. He had time maybe, to think or of maybe the maybe excuse.
1: Not. I don't know.
2: <laughs>
1: I don't know. But, um there's a problem another critique I have of him is he's got a lot of albums I don't think he had to make that many albums I think one <laughs> of the reasons why people kind of don't it's sort of like there was a lot of saturation of Elvis Costello he gave us a lot of material that it's just like I don't think he ever heard the term less is more
0: I think that's a decent point there's definitely whole albums of his that I've never touched not once
1: and Nor should you because it's just like you didn't have to release that album, you're just doing it because you have nothing else to do. Which
0: I understand,
1: right? It's a critique, it's also one of those things. This guy truly loves making music,
0: right? Like that's what you do, people don't have to listen to it. But if someone's gonna throw money at you to make it, then why wouldn't you?
1: Right? But I think he would do it regardless if he was making the money, sure. Like, I think he would just be writing songs like right. there are dudes out there yes that like aren't famous
0: right i know them
1: <laughs> Yeah, that them. write songs their entire life right and it's those people that rock and roll music is truly about i bring it up springsteen again where i think there was a quote from him where he said i can live without being a rock star but i can't live without music
2: yeah
0: that sounds like him and it's a great quote
1: Right. I feel like Elvis Costello fits that same thing. I Mm -hmm. think he experiences being a human in a way most of us don't, that he feels things. He feels everything and he feels everything so extremely Mm. in a way that most of us don't. That's where the quote sensitive artist comes from. I think he's one of those where I think he just feels the vast tapestry of the human experience in a way that most of us don't. And he has to explain it away. And I, first and foremost, I think he writes songs for himself.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And then he thinks about the audience in a secondary capacity, but it also doesn't work for some albums where it's just like, you didn't hit that one. Like it's not that good.
0: Yeah. You can't be that prolific and always be on point. What about your second favorite song on this album?
1: My second favorite song on that album. I mean, there are a couple, I want to say what's so funny about Peace, Love, and Understanding, but that's not his song. Yeah, it's a Nick Lowe song. It's a great song. It's a Nick Lowe
0: song. It's a great song. It's got to be up there with like Aretha Franklin's respect as far as people that took an original song and said, No, nope, yeah. this is my song now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and a lot of like casual people, like casual Costello fans, which I don't think exist. I, I brought up casual <laughs> Costello fans. I mean, you're as close as to a casual Costello fan as I can think of, but you still know a lot about Elvis Costello.
0: That sounds about right. I have a lot of love and respect for him, but I wouldn't say I'm like a diehard fan. I'm certainly a fan.
1: Right. So I can't put that one on there, even though it rocks. It does. And I feel that's the song most people know. Which is
0: kind of a bummer to have that many songs written and have a cover be the song people know best by you, but that's probably the one.
1: Yeah, it's probably the one. Um, Probably Allison. Allison.
3: so funny to be seeing you after so long, girl And with the way you look, I understand that you were not impressed But I heard you let that little friend of mine Take off your party dress I'm not gonna get too sentimental like those other stickers
0: beautiful yeah it's a beautiful song it's a
1: beautiful song and and, and, and does he kill her (laughs) i never and that never even occurred to me (laughs) is it about murder go back and listen to those lyrics
0: i will now
1: (laughs) because that's what i'm talking about is his subtlety like if you really listen to what he's talking about it's like is he talking about murdering her
0: but It is a great song and it is. a hell of a way to start a compilation album to be like, here's yeah. 22 of, well, 21 and then Love Field <laughs> of the best songs by Elvis <laughs> Costello. <laughs>
1: and another one I love is A Good Year for the Roses.
0: That used to be one of my least favorite songs on the album. Uh, when I was younger, I hated that song and used to skip it. I thought it was really oaky. And now that I've gotten older, I don't know. There's something very proper about it. You know what I mean? There's something almost like
2: genteel
1: about it. Yeah it's English it's yeah. very English this guy has like such a comprehensive understanding of the world mm-hmm. and its history and you listen to like guys that came out around that era like the clash and the sex pistols and Elvis Costello were the three big guys from the late 70s that came out of England in that sort of Arguably. alternative yeah. punk thing whereas you listen to the clash you listen to the pistols and you're like You don't know if they love their country or if they love being English.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean. I would say
1: they love being English,
0: don't love England.
1: (laughs) Right. I feel like Elvis Costello genuinely loves his country. Uh You know what I mean? Like he's a patriot to his his land, and it comes across like in a song like that, where Hmm. it's just like, wow, this person knows and understands history and can write about it gracefully.
0: Yeah, and in a way that is accessible to people that don't huh? know anything about what he's talking about.
1: Right. And he brought up Oliver's Army. Mm-hmm. He could write about these complex things and make them accessible to yeah. people who don't know anything about them. Like somebody like in the U.S. can appreciate a good year for the Roses or Oliver's Army and go like, that's an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. That has nothing to do with me.
0: <laughs> you ever get a chance to see him live? three times. Oh, that's awesome. Any stories? I saw him
1: three times. Um, not particularly. I saw him um twice here in Cleveland. I saw him once as a solo artist. It was just him
2: in mm-hmm.
1: a guitar. He was in Playhouse Square at the Connor Palace. I saw him a second time at uh it, it's it's his place in the middle of nowhere Ohio. Okay. It was at, at the Phrase Pavilion. It was just this really nice outdoor venue. Uh-huh. In a town, just in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. And he had the band with him. Okay. And he just, he was like 62, but he had like the music at least. He sounded as good as he ever did. Yeah. And he's one of the few artists that his sound didn't go away as he got older. He still sounds the same.
0: He seems to have kept it i saw him about 10 years ago 10 or 11 years ago in huntington west virginia at the keith alvey theater when i was going to marshall university they have a series like an artist series there where they'll get some surprisingly big artists to come through there and then what they'll typically do is they'll make the tickets free for people that go to marshall university and then like the high or up like the fancy to do people that are like big donors and stuff they put them like in the front of these kinds of shows well i was single then as i'm single now as i'm pretty much always single and I got a ticket. Not
3: for long. Right. <laughs> <We'll
0: see. laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and so I got <laughs> So I got a ticket and I went to the show. And since I was like by myself, one of the ushers grabbed me and was like, Hey, we need to fill the front. Do you want to sit in the front? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do. So they moved me to the very, very front. I was like in the front That's fucking wow. row. I could reach out and touch the cuff of the man's pants if I wanted to while he was playing. And uh, it was a really great show. He had like this giant colored wheel with all of his songs written on it, with a bunch of songs written on it. He'd bring people up on the stage and they get to spin the wheel and then whatever song That's played, really cool. the audience member would hang out in this little like go-go cage <laughs> so they could dance, I guess, if they wanted to. And the band, it was like a full band. They'd play that song for them. And I wish I could remember exactly what songs, but it was like literally yes. a wheel of like a hundred different songs. It was such a cool way to do it.
1: Did they have the band with them? Yeah. Did they, they had have a the full, band with yeah, them? They had a
0: full band. It wasn't the Attractions, but it was a full band and it was-
1: The imposters. It was the imposters. That it had is been correct.
0: Yes, it was the imposters. Yeah, it was great. It was one of the best shows of my life, honestly.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it was incredible.
1: I would say, like, of the legends, like, of the people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Mm -hmm. that I've seen, he is, in terms of the live show, not as great as some of the others I've seen. Sounds like you had a much better experience seeing him. Yeah, it was great. Not saying that he was bad. Like, I went there going, like, that was a great show, Mm -hmm. but in a different way. Yeah. The best show I've ever been to... It will never get better than Parliament. I got to see Parliament. That's
0: cool. Yeah. I can see that. I got to see the
1: original Sabbath lineup.
0: Nice. Wow. The original
1: Black Sabbath lineups. And so I've seen some like legends, some like iconic guys that are like in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Mm -hmm. Elvis Costello is in that top five. I think he's the best, obviously, the best lyricist of them all that I got to see. Mm -hmm. I just felt like when I went to see him live, i was going to see like this wise man (laughs) yeah it's like he's this elder statesman now he
0: is now yeah he is he's like um rock royalty at this point
1: yeah he is he's rock and roll royalty yeah that's what it is when you go see him i feel like you're kind of making a pilgrimage to pay respects to that time and place where music was changing
0: yes well put
1: yeah yeah History repeats
3: the old conceits The clip replies the same defeats Keep your finger on button. issues With crocodile tears and a pocket full of tissues I'm just the oil is slick And the wind-up world of the nervous tick
1: In a very fashionable Hothball I think, like, if you haven't given Elvis Costello a fair shake, Mm -hmm. I think you should start this year. I think you should start the second you turn the show off because, like, he is one of the finest wordsmiths. And I'm not a big lyrics person either. No. To me, lyrics are secondary. There are a lot of people that pride themselves on their words, mm-hmm. but the songs are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, in, in that case, I'll just read the poem. Like, mm-hmm. the, the music has to be good. That's why I, I gravitate towards you know, bands of that time, like Talking Heads, um, with Elvis um, Costello being the exception.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. But, like, you can listen to a Talking Head song and not have any fucking clue what that song's about.
0: And that's partly what david Byrne i think is going for sometimes although there's a a lot of satire in his stuff too actually i can see some similarities between the heads and elvis costello a little bit in terms of that wry sense of humor and their ability to satirize things in a way that is funny and also thoughtful and also not necessarily beating you about the head with it
1: for sure i'm more moved by the way people sing things than i am by what they're singing yeah. Please by train Brown. He's only saying the words please the entire song. Yeah. <laughs> but it's how he's saying it and the pain. Yeah. You know exactly what that song's about. But Elvis Costello can do both.
0: Right. That's it. He can do both.
1: He can do both, and it's a very rare artist that can and do it well. I gotta be, I'm gonna
3: get a lot of grief once this seems so deep.
0: Well, I always end my show with another question, typically about the 90s. I'm going to um, read you some compilation albums that came out in 1994, just a handful of them. And you tell me which ones, um, if you had to you know, buy them now or listen to them now, what would you be most excited about? There's a bunch that came out during that year. I'm not going to read them all. I'm getting this from RateYourMusic.com. But I'll, I'll get some of the ones that I think would appeal to an Elvis Costello fan. Gotcha. For instance, in May of that year, Way to Blue, an introduction to Nick Drake came out. Okay. Definitely a uh, big artist. That's a good one. The Who, 30 Years of Maximum R&B came out around that time. I'm not familiar with that one, but it, it came out. Um, the Best of Sarday. i I'm not sure if that fits in with Elvis Costello. I love I That's so funny. You brought that up. I
1: love Sarday. Okay. Okay, but that, that's out of the three you named so far. That's not the one I'm picking.
0: Yet. Okay, okay, good. I'll go, I'll keep okay. going with a couple more, and we'll see what you do end up going with. Aretha Franklin released a best of album in 1994, The Very oh, Best of Aretha, which second time she's come up in this episode, but she's pretty fucking great. Yeah, the Queen. Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock's Cantaloupe Island came out that year. Herbie Hancock's pretty great. Uh, Bob Dylan had his best of. Greatest Hits Volume 3 was that year. In Excess, The Greatest Hits, we had the CD in my house.
1: Somebody you could probably hear a lot of Costello influence in. Probably. Yeah.
0: Definitely, they would have been around the same time. Best of Sting, Fields of Gold, Best of Sting in 1994 came out. Blondie had a Greatest Hits album that year. Bob Seger's Greatest Hits, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band, where he's standing on the railroad track, classic compilation album came out.
1: That's at the bottom of my list. <laughs> I don't like Bob <laughs> oh, Seger. I
0: love Bob Seger, but Michigander. You're a
1: Michigander. Hey, you're so. Michigander. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You live in the Mitten.
0: That's right. Pisces Iscariot is from Smashing Pumpkins came out that year. And I'll give you one more. And why not ABBA? <laughs> Thank you for the music came out in 1994. So which one stands out to you?
1: So as when you first started naming them, yeah. the Who stuck out. Uh-huh. The Who rocks. They're great. They're my favorite British invasion band. And as you started naming things it made it harder because then i was i love herbie hancock he's great i love aretha franklin Mm. i love blondie i love what was the last one you named abba abba my dad makes fun of me because how much of a monster abba fan i am
0: oh shit you even pronounce him correctly
1: oh yeah (laughs) i love abba it's gonna be a tie between aretha abba and the who i'm gonna go with abba
0: okay Nice.
1: Because I just I love albums.
0: Oh shit, New Order had a best of album that year too. Fuck. I missed that.
1: New Order's great.
0: There's a lot of good albums that year, compilation albums. I would almost go with Herbie Hancock, but I'd have to go myself with Nick Drake personally.
1: Nick Drake's great. Yeah. Every artist you named is great. And I would buy those albums. But if you only gave me like you put me in a time machine and you transported me to nineteen ninety-four to a Coconut Records. And I had 15 bucks in my pocket. I I think I'm going to go with one of those three albums. And I'm probably going to go with ABBA.
0: Right on. Okay. That's the other side of what was going on musically while Elvis Costello was producing. So there's kind of brings us full circle.
1: There's only like a bootleg, not a bootleg, but like somebody snuck into an Elvis Costello concert with a camera. Mm -hmm. The second we hang up, go listen to his cover of Knowing Me, Knowing You by ABBA. It's good. It's so good. He didn't put it on a band. And I, I always found that one version of him doing it live somewhere.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: in the shitty camera, but you still capture the essence of what he was trying to do. So
0: AJ, is there anything that you're doing right now that you want to plug that if people want to listen to more of you, they can find you?
1: Well, I'm always writing. You can always look out for me. I just had uh, back at the end of October, I had a new New Yorker piece go up. Fantastic. You can see my work in the New Yorker. Weekly Humorist is a great, great satire site. You can see a lot of my work there. I kind of stepped away from Mm stand-up. I'm just writing as a humorist now. Okay. And I'm working on a novel. Oh, awesome. So I've... I'll be writing a novel. Hopefully you find that from me in the next year or two.
0: All right. Well, maybe we'll have you back on before then. You can plug it.
1: Oh, I would love to. I would love to. I'll pick another album. And maybe you'll have me on Cinema 9 again, and we'll talk about uh, another really, really uh, edgy, bizarre movie.
0: Those both sound like good ideas. Hell yeah. You going to go grocery shopping now?
1: Yeah, I got to go get some stuff. I have some stuff to do today. I'm sorry I was late. We were supposed Bye. to do this at noon. And we are close
0: enough. I didn't enough. hit you up until
1: 1220.
0: That's okay. We, we made it happen. And it's been a fun episode. It's been fun talking to you, man. I appreciate you making the time.
1: Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for having
0: me. Awesome, man. Well, you take care of yourself. Good seeing you again.
1: You as well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: pleasure to have AJ DeCosimo on the show. Funny guy with lots to say about Elvis Costello from his car. From his car. You too can come on the show if you like or maybe you know someone who would be a good fit for the show. If you need some suggestions of albums that came out in 93 or 94, I just listed a whole bunch of compilation albums including ABBA, Nick Drake, Bob Seger, and Yes, Sade. Shade released the best of Shade in 1994 and maybe you want to come on and talk about her always looking for guests so reach out to me at 9394 podcast at gmail.com and let me know if you're interested or just shoot me an email i you know i like people i like talking i didn't start doing a podcast because i don't like talking to people so you know shoot me a line that's always cool please do rate and review on whatever podcatcher you're using that helps a lot and is appreciated I try to keep a regular schedule with getting these episodes out. I try to get them out about once a week. Sometimes, like recently, stuff comes up. It was my Nana's 90th birthday party, and I was really happy to be there for that. But that meant a few days out of town and some time not working on my podcast, which is, you know, it is a hobby. So it's good to do that every now and then. My point being that uh, it's a good reason to follow or subscribe or whatever, because, well, you can pretty much count on checking in weekly on me. Sometimes it might be a little sporadic. This is a one-man operation, you know? All right. Thank you again for listening. Appreciate it. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Three ninety-four, a music podcast with Travis Roy, is labor of love. It is not, and never will be, monetized. Please don't sue.